Support for Melbourne Food and Wine comes from Lavazza. Hand-picked, slowly roasted and produced in limited quantities, Kaffa Forest Coffee is Lavazza's newest single-origin coffee. Hailing from Ethiopia, Kaffa comes from the original coffee plant. Try it for yourself. Natural. Conventional. Supernatural. When did drinking wine become so mired in controversy and crossfire? How? Why? Isn't drinking wine supposed to be fun, anyway? I'm Pat Nurse. Welcome to Melbourne Food and Wine. Who better to discuss these questions than Vanya Filipovic, wine director and maitre d' at acclaimed Montreal restaurants Joe Beef and Le Van Papillon, and Jane Lopez, sommelier at top-flight Melbourne restaurant Attica. We got Vanya and Jane together at the Theatre of Ideas, supported by the New York Times, at the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, presented by the Bank of Melbourne, in March. The great Melbourne wine writer Max Allen moderates this session, and he opens it with a question for Vanya. How do you think about the process of drinking wine? Opening a bottle and pouring a glass is step one, absolutely. I think it's fun to intellectualise it a little bit more, and we live in a time where I think it's really important to um, use our responsibility in both education and in drinking and in communicating about wine. And that's been a really big part of my year this year, those words. And I feel like it's important to discuss it. Absolutely. Yeah. So the mindset, I suppose, Uh that you bring to the glass of wine is important for you. Right. Exactly. And so what things are you thinking of when you're approaching wine and when you're talking about and serving wine to other people? What aspects of the wine production? I think that we are more and more aware of what we're putting into our bodies, which is great. And I think wine sometimes gets left behind in terms of um, what actually went into the making of this product. I think it's just important to have a responsibility of um, accountability, basically, in terms of how the grapes were grown, how the wine was made, and how to drink it. Jane, are those things important for you too when you're thinking about wine? Or, or is it, in the immortal words of the late Len Evans, just a bloody delicious drink? You know? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both, and I think it has to be a little bit of both. I think we don't want to push wine too far in the other direction where we're kind of really thinking it, of it as a, a health food. <laughs> but I think I completely agree in terms of the responsibility to both the people drinking the wine at the end of the day and making sure it's a really kind of delicious, stable, interesting product, but that also we have a responsibility to to make sure that it's around for generations to come to and, and sustainability, I think, is, is very important in our, in our industry. Can it go too far? Can people be too obsessed about all the, the warm and fuzzy, the natural aspects of wine production and perhaps at the exclusion of really important aspects of, of wine consumption and, and production. Do you think that we, people can, can you know, take extreme sides in this and forget what it's all about? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, well, I guess you have to, for each person, it's probably what's it all about is something different. And for me, working in a restaurant, to me what it's all about is making my guests happy, but doing so in kind of a socially and environmentally responsible way. But I think if you kind of, get too dogmatic and too obsessed about uh, some of uh, the aspects of, of winemaking, which, you know, is a variable craft and things change from year to year. And to me, it's kind of more about overall ethos of a winery than it is about, you know, specific 
They may have acidified this year. They may have had to spray something this year. But in general, are they working towards a kind of clean, minimalistic product that respects the environment? Great. Does it make people happy in the restaurant? Great. Is it a great value? Amazing. And those are kind of the things that I'm looking at. What about you, Vanya? Do you, do you think there's room for extremism, for, taking a, for people taking a stance? I think, unfortunately, in the times that we live in, we sort of have to be extreme. I think it's important to, um, to just kind of be ruthless in our analysis of it, in a way. I don't think that there is that much room anymore to excuse people who aren't working in a clean and sustainable way. I don't think that we should be excusing that anymore, yeah. At the risk of hurting some egos, perhaps. Sure. Can you give us some examples that no. you may have got? No. <laughs> I thought I was going to get away with that one. Okay, but when there, there is, uh, I have seen, and I'm sure you have too, there is pushback from some of the more conservative members of the wine world against all the attention that some of the more extreme and adventurous producers perhaps are getting. Don't you think that it's better for everybody to take a more collaborative, collegiate approach and try not to to put people off board, or are you happy for that kind of collateral damage, I suppose? There should never be damage, but I do think that people have to be held accountable for what they're doing. I also feel like once you're really educated as far as what's in your glass and that product is issued from organic or biodynamic grapes or both and made with no intervention and is delicious, I feel like that is the best And once you have sort of gone that route, it's very hard to go back and to sort of excuse and agree that, you know, additives and um, chemicals in the vineyard, et cetera, are a good idea. Do you share that view, Joan? Um, You know, I I do. I, I, you know, I was having a conversation with Bill Downey the other day, and he said he's been working his entire career towards a point when he can make wine like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the end goal. That's not where you start. And that not every vineyard allows those conditions where you can make wine without any additives. And a lot of people just think they can buy any old fruit and put it in a barrel and not touch it and not add any sulfur and not do anything to it and they're going to get great wine. And they absolutely do not. I think the additive conversation is interesting because a lot of very classic wines are very classically made with with additives. If you drink sherry, you drink acidified wine. If you drink champagne, you drink wine that has yeast inoculation, with very few exceptions. If you drink burgundy, you drink chapelized wine. And I have much more of a problem with chemicals in the vineyard and kind of lack of sustainability in that sense than I do with additives in the winery. I'm not as kind of offended by that. And I guess it's, I think it's the line between looking at something you know, wine as kind of a true kind of natural product or as more of a artisanal product and with the input of a winemaker trying to make the output as good as possible. I do agree with Vanya that the best possible experience is that one with really limited or no intervention, but I'm not, I think that there are many of the best wines in the world are made with some intervention as well. One of the interesting aspects of the uh, natural wine movement is how many producers will pour me a glass of organically grown, additive-free, no preservative wine and talk about its digestibility or how you can drink more of it. (laughs) And Alice Firing, for example, writes about the birth of the natural wine movement as we understand it today in, in Beaujolais in France. 
and says that a lot of the reason behind producing wines with no sulphur was that these blokes, and they were all blokes, could drink more of the wines and have fewer hangovers the next day. Do you think that's a dangerous path to go down, to promote wines made responsibly, sustainably, naturally, as being better for you? Do you think that's a minefield? Sure. I mean, I feel like our relationship with alcohol is really precious, and we have to be super aware of that. We have to nurture it. We have to uh, intellectualize it. We have to understand it, and we really have to kind of look at ourselves from from far and understand what what we're doing and, and why and how we consume. I also agree. I mean, I don't know if you've had a hangover before, but I, yeah, I do three agree. Hours ago. <laughs> I do agree that hangovers with conventionally made wine can be really brutal. I feel like it takes a lot less, maybe, to affect negatively your body. I understand that it's a slippery slope. I don't promote, you know, excess in that way. Sometimes it happens in a joyful way, which is good. It should always be happy. But I do agree that our relationship with alcohol is just really so precious, so fleeting sometimes, yeah. Jane? Well, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of um, misunderstanding naturally about kind of what in wine makes people feel bad. And I honestly think it's different for a lot of different people. I think, you know, for some people, it's probably the actual alcohol that's making them feel bad. For some people, it might be sulfites, it might be histamines. You know, I get the craziest things, I'm sure you do too, in restaurants where people are like, oh, rosé just makes me feel terrible. And you're like, what? How... How can you drink white wine and red wine? You can't drink. But, you know, it's, and it, maybe it's a psychosomatic thing for some people, but, you know, I think, you know, going along with what Vanya said, it's our relationship with wine is, is precious. It's also very individual. Mm-hmm. And the mindset you bring to something is so important, too, that I think if you go into a, dr- a glass of wine thinking this is going to make me feel bad, it will 100% make you feel bad. And if you go into something thinking this is, I'm going to feel great and joyous and this is such an amazing you know, experience, then that's what you're, you're going to have. And I think you know, we should never go down a path where we say this is kind of the, the safe wine for me to drink and I can just drink as much as I want of it because no matter who you are, you're going to you know, hit a point where it's too much. With Kaffa Forest Coffee, Lavazza is going back to the beginning with beans from the original coffee plant. This single-origin coffee is rich and intense with floral notes and the flavours of cherry and date. Add it to your menu. Lavazza, a supporter of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. There are two very interesting trends emerging in Australia, and Vanya, I'd be interested in your view of this from a Canadian perspective. There's the growth of the wellness movement. This is international. The wellness trend, mostly a younger demographic, as has already been pointed out, very concerned about what they're putting in their body and seeking out products that are more healthful. And there's also, particularly in Australia, um, the re-emergence of an anti-alcohol lobby. There's a lot of people out there in, in the public health arena who, who have a very black and white view of alcohol and don't see the distinction between different types of alcohol. It's all bad. There's also a growing trend, as you're aware, of making women more aware of of their drinking and the potential health impacts of their drinking. How do you pitch wine made and consumed responsibly, as as we've just discussed? If you're in a room with the health lobby, what what would you say to them? How would you pitch wine as... as, as I love love the word, precious. How would you convince them that wine is different 
And is it? Yeah, I feel like the um, the cultural element is really important. I mean, um, I wasn't really aware of some of the things you just mentioned in terms of Australia specific, but this is a really great wine producing country. Um, you have vineyards all over, and I feel like discouraging alcohol consumption, including wine, really actually encourages excess and encourages uh, misunderstanding. And it's really unfortunate because I feel like if wine is part of the education and if wine as a product of where we are and, you know, a product of the economy in Australia, I mean, it's so important on so many levels. Um, I feel like if it's part of the education to start with, um, definitely the result will be moderation. It just makes sense. Maybe not every day, but in general, yeah. Jan, are you seeing those trends in your day-to-day work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I don't think it has to be individual to wine. I think it can be a well-made spirit or cocktail or, you know, a great beer. But the idea is that to have kind of intentional and thoughtful consumption of, of alcohol with an eye towards kind of appreciating it as something to enjoy with friends or enjoy with a meal and not just as a tool to get drunk. And, um, you know, it's, we'll always have that, that aspect of it that I think as professionals that we want to work against that, you know, we really, it has that effect and nothing is going to change that, but not to be used as a tool just to, to get drunk, but really as something to be appreciated for, um, kind of what it gives us in terms of flavor and product and also kind of its role in terms of, you know, just it's an amazing cultural and social lens and something that we're able to enjoy with each other. And I think it brings people together and it slows down life in a way that few things do. You brought it up there and we've talked about it. Um, How do you manage in an industry where the temptation for indulgence and overindulgence is so prevalent. Like, you know, everybody here who's worked in hospitality knows that people drink too much, certainly according to the National Health and Medical Research Council guidelines, which are also currently under review and they want to bring them down again. How do you manage and who taught you? How did you learn how to drink responsibly? Do you drink responsibly? Come on, you can. It's a sharing. It's, it's like a. It's like it's a hundred of your best friends. Mm-hmm. They are actually hundred of your best friends. You can share with them. How do you manage in an industry like this? I think I just think of my next morning. You know, I'm pretty busy. I just think of my next day, and it kind of slows me right down. Yeah, and you know, I think there's also a big um, misunderstanding in terms of what the job is. You know, we're tasting all day, but we're not swallowing wine all day. I think that that's a big part of it. Of course, there's such, to me, it's such a privilege, you know, like every day people are celebrating something really special around us. You know, you watch people grow up, you watch their birthdays, their anniversaries, so there's always a reason to celebrate. You just have to remember that it's not always your own celebration. You're just kind of a witness sometimes to others. But yeah, just think of your next morning. It usually does the trick for me. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say stay busy. I think if most of us kind of at a certain level have a lot going on and there's not time to just kind of be hungover all day every day. I think I've been, you know, less responsible at times in my life and I've had a few 
very, very stressful jobs in this industry that I've really felt like when I get off work, I just feel like I need a drink to kind of like calm down to be able to go to sleep when I'm, you know, getting off work at midnight, 1am. But, you know, ultimately I feel like as long as you're not driving and treating other people with respect, for the most part, the only disservice you're really doing is to yourself. And I, you know, for me, I never got to the point when I was doing anyone else any wrong, um, where even when I'd have kind of those bad nights or bad weeks or whatever it was, that the only disservice I was ever doing was to myself. And, you know, it got to the point where I didn't want to do that anymore. And I kind of had, had different priorities. But I feel like in the scheme of things, there are probably a lot more dangerous substances, ideas in our culture and other cultures than alcohol. Having said that, got any good hangover tips? Not that I necessarily need it now. I'm just thinking for future reference. Hot yoga. Mm, Hot yoga. That's a good one. Sweat right. it all out. Another one, perhaps, that's a little bit <laughs> more achievable. <laughs> so fried food is not the I'm thing. I'm a big fan of just kind of letting it really affect you and understanding what you did, you know, what you did wrong, kind of putting your, your nose in it a little bit. I'm with you. Embrace the metaphysical yeah. hangover. And, exactly. you know, I'm totally with you. Not that it happens very often, right. of course. Um, I'm going to throw open to any questions because we are running out of time, unfortunately. Question down the front here. Are you seeing a rise in um, demand for wines that have no animal products in them with the um, increase in the number of vegans that we're seeing? Vegan wine. Uh, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I think we get lots of vegans in the restaurant. Actually, very few of them ask about vegan wine. I think right now people are kind of just accepting that they're, you know, they'll do the pairing and then they don't ask, like, you know, is there any, you know, egg white filtration or any of that stuff. I think, you know, five years down the road, it will be enough of a thing that people feel like they can't ask. I feel like I've, when I've talked to people about it, they're like, I just feel like if I ask, you're not going to know and I'm not going to be able to drink anything. So I just kind of accept it. Um, where, you know, I think we're moving towards the enough visibility where people feel like they can ask and they can get an, an actual answer that's helpful. And I feel like often we on the service side are maybe part of that education with the guests. I, I see a lot of vegan guests who aren't even aware of what is in the glass or could be in the glass. I think it's really important to keep that discussion going and to talk about what potentially could be in wine, especially if you have dietary choices, yeah. That's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah. The, the, the vegan wine trend is forcing people to ask more questions, isn't it? For sure. About what's in their wine. Do you, are you advocates of ingredients labelling in wine? I actually don't mind. I'm, you know, I don't... Again, like, for me, I feel like you don't want to push it too far where it feels like, you know, you're picking up a granola bar at the store or something and you're looking at the calories in the back and stuff like that. But if someone has an egg allergy, they should be able to know if there's egg whites in their wine at any point, you know? Like, there's, I think for allergens, absolutely, it's important. I'm really upset um, <laughs> by the lobbying and the sort of big brands that have kept ingredient lists off of the label. It makes me really crazy that it's one of the last consumable item in the world that doesn't have an ingredients list. And often I think that ingredients list would be very long. I just feel like it's unacceptable. It'd be long and surprising too for a lot mm -hmm. of people. Yeah, I mean, I would like to know. Yeah. 
Uh, hi. Um, it's just been International Women's Day and I come from an industry that's quite male-dominated and as I understand, the, the wine industry is also quite male-dominated. Do you ever feel any uh, prejudice or are there any advantages to being a, a female in the wine industry, whether it be from like uh, colleagues or customers or anything like that? I think, I mean, a lot of my colleagues have experienced kind of crazy things that would blow your mind in this industry, I think, but that's probably true in a lot of industries. I think it's just, you know, you see, I'm from the US, if you couldn't tell, um, in the news every day, it's kind of new people coming forward about sexual harassment and, you know, the pay rate is still not the same and, and all these things that I think really traverse a lot of industries, probably yours as well. So I haven't experienced it kind of like extra in this industry, but there's still a lot of progress to be made in, in any industry. Yeah, I think maybe the one thing that differentiates the wine industry is that people end up being a little inebriated sometimes, and that can lead to certain personality traits coming out. So yes, I mean, in a way, specifically, the wine industry maybe is a little bit more vulnerable than others as a result. But like Jane said, I mean, everyone in any industry is usually having a beer or two after work, and that can happen as well. So personally, I've been just kind of put my head down and work type of philosophy, not necessarily differentiating myself from my male colleagues, and it's worked well. But I also have colleagues and friends who have a different experience, so it's hard to give an absolute answer, yeah. I'm just going to ask our guests to just wrap up very quickly. What's the best thing about what you do? When you walk into work and you think, oh, I'm so lucky to be doing this, what is it about working? Is it the people? Is it the product? What's the best thing about being a sommelier? Every night I come home and I think, wow, I just met the most incredible people. I feel like that happens to me daily, and I am so grateful. But also, wine touches on so many things, and it's so stimulating, you know, on a history level, geographically, anthropologically, um, literature. I mean, it just goes and touches everything. It's so stimulating. Yeah, never a dull moment. Yeah, I would say something very similar. I, you know, it's just such a pleasure to be able to kind of make someone's night with wine, with hospitality, with service, with food, and it's an absolute privilege. And then to kind of, yeah, have that academic side to what we do as well and just be able to continually learn and taste and explore new things is, is exciting. That was Sommelier's Jane Lopez and Vanya Filipovich speaking with wine writer Max Allen at the Theatre of Ideas, part of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, presented by the Bank of Melbourne. You've been listening to Melbourne Food and Wine, Melbourne Food and Wine Festival is made possible with the support of Visit Victoria. I'm Pat Nurse. Thank you for listening.